Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on draft. Coming at you on a Tuesday because of the holiday weekend uh, yesterday. So Purple Daily on Draft, ready to roll with Tyler Fornis, Miles Gorham. We're finally here, fellas. NFL football season uh, is upon us. We're a week into the college football season, too. Um, we're really excited to uh, get the football season going here on both sides, professional and obviously collegiately as well. Uh, we're really excited to break down all of these topics right here on Purple Daily on Draft. We've been kind of leading things up for the last three to four months. Now it's actually here. We get to break things down uh, in the flesh, essentially. So we have a nice little show. We're actually going to start with the college football scene later on. We'll talk about some rookies and second-year players, maybe for the Vikings as well. Expectations against the Buccaneers as Week 1 kicks off this Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Again, football's finally here. I'm jacked, um, and I'm really excited to uh, talk some college football after an entertaining weekend uh, last uh, last weekend in the college football ranks. So, Forno, I know this is your wheelhouse. I'm guessing you had all four of the TVs. Is it four TVs in the man cave downstairs? It's uh, a 65 OLED, 255 4Ks, and then I'm usually rocking my tablet and or my laptop. It's yeah, when you when you do what I do and you you do a lot of prognosticating and, and our old buddy Thor can attest to this. You got to keep your tab eyes on a lot of games. So you, you're watching one diligently. But it's kind of like being at a B-dubs where you always have your eyes on multiple screens to kind of keep tabs of what's going on. And it helps you kind of get a, a better sense than just, oh, reading a box score or reading columns. You can still gain context from that. But being able to see things happen in real time, even if you're not putting all your attention on it, still makes a, a big difference in being able to understand the landscape of college football. 
So the B-dubs commercial shouldn't even be B-dubs anymore. It should just be Forno's basement, essentially. Like, that's the real true setup of, uh, of, of the best football fan experience. I can tell you, I have a better bourbon selection than B-dubs, and I would know. <laughs> I, I managed the B-dubs for the better part of five years. So it's, I, I've, I've got about, well, I want to say like 20, 25 different uh, bourbons, including one that I, I won from my producer on The Real Forno Show, Dave. It's a nice little uh, local one that's uh that's got a Viking on it, which is always a, f- a fun adage. And if uh, B Dubs or any of those sponsors want to sponsor Purple Daily on Draft, we can make that happen. We'll uh, we can gladly uh, endorse anyone you want there. Uh, all right, fellas, let's let's start here. So Forno, um, you were telling us off mic, you're you're kind of starting this. You know, essentially, you did a skull searching a little bit series on on Vikings Wire, and now you're taking a little bit of the similar idea. You're putting it with the college football quarterbacks. And if Kirk Cousins is indeed not on the Vikings roster um, by by the time the draft rolls around, well, it's pretty writing on the pretty early at the writings on the wall that the Vikings will be looking to draft a quarterback. So let, let's just start here on the college football landscape. I guess give me a few names that really intrigued you from just watching all these guys, but also how it maybe relates to them landing in purple by next year. Absolutely. So the way we're approaching it at Vikings Wire is by looking at 12 names that we really believe can be in that category. And then as players emerge, we'll start talking about them like on a week by week basis. And then if they put up enough performances, we're going to talk about them every single week. Um, Kevin Fielder's kind of spearheading that we are now working on building up fans knowledge of these guys. So when we go into the draft process, it's going to be okay. I already know a good amount about Joe Milton, about that shedder Sanders, about, Austin Reed, who you're going to hear me talk a lot about because I'm very high on him. He's Bailey Zappi with juice in his arm. And that, and in today's day and age where you're seeing a lot more air raid concepts, it is something that you can work with. But it's like you said, it, it's not a guarantee that Kirk Cousins is back next year. It's also not a guarantee that he's gone completely. We just have a major flux right now at the quarterback position. So we're going to do everything we can to educate on who could be the the next guy. That's why I've written so many articles on Jaron Hall and breaking down his film. It's like, okay, what is he? Uh, and it's, it's just too lazy by some to, Hey, he performed bad. Well, why? Like within the context of each play, was it actually bad? And the answer was no. And he improved every single game and the interception uh, against the Cardinals wasn't even his fault because Ben Sims like went too far on a stick route and all through it where it needed to be. And it was picked. Like that's not on hall. It's on the tight end for having to make sure that he gets the proper depth and is in the proper spot because that's important. And especially if you're going to throw that with timing. So our goal is just to educate and you can make your own decisions based on what information you're fine, but we are going to give you our best guess as to what it is. And that's what we're doing on this show here. We have to start talking about shedder Sanders. So if you did not watch Colorado TCU, what a hell of an opener that was to a fantastic week one of college football. Like I watched some pretty nitty gritty games. I watched Texas state upset Baylor, which I, I did call in my ATS column last week and I watched UTEP and incarnate word. Like there was some great lower level college football, but Colorado TCU was the game of the day. And it really wasn't that close because you had Deion Sanders coach prime, taking 87 new players into a downtrodden Colorado program. This is a program that won a national title in 1990 and they won a big 12 title as recently, I believe it was 2002 
when they beat North or they beat Nebraska 62 35. And I think that ended French. So Frank Solich's tenure there. But when you look at everything and the whole package, Sanders has the athleticism. He has the arm talent. He has the escapability. He has the accuracy. The one real question was, how is he going to translate from the FCS to the FBS? Because it's a huge jump in football. And it's not necessarily a, a criticism of him, but you just had to see it. And you had to understand what that would look like. Cam Ward went from FCS Incarnate Word to Washington State. His first six weeks were really rough because he experienced a more difficult transition. And now you saw him against Colorado State. And he looked fantastic. He looked a lot more comfortable. He looked more cohesive. That offense brought over from Western Kentucky by Ben Arbuckle is working great. But we had to see that with Sanders. And we saw it in droves. He looked the part. And it was a four-star recruit coming out of college. Obviously, he went to go play for his dad. Who can blame him? His dad is Deion Sanders. It's not like he's going to my dad. I love my dad. He's a fantastic (laughs) blue-collar guy but I wouldn't want my dad coaching me at the college level in football. So when you look at all those things and how he navigated with a, an offensive line, that was pretty much all transfers two South Florida guys, Jimmy Horn jr. And Xavier Weaver. And then Travis Hunter, the ultimate Ironman. He cannot do this full time. You, you can't ask him to play 150 snaps a game, but if he does the true Dion roll, 20, 25 snaps on offense, full-time corner, this guy could be the number one overall pick in two years because he's not eligible till the 2025 draft. Some of the things he was doing was incredible. That interception where the running back was running a rail route and he just jumps it. Absolutely nuts stuff. But Sanders, 510 yards, four touchdowns, no turnovers against the national runner-ups last year on the road. First game. Incredible. And watching some of the all 22, you can see how he's maneuvering, how he's making really quick decisions, how he's creating outside of structure because the offensive line breaks down because that's where Colorado's are the weakest right now. Then they just don't have the depth there yet. Two years. They will right now. They don't. And he it's, it's hyperbolic to say right now. And I mentioned this to you uh, pre-show this quarterback class is completely undecided right now, but it has the potential to have the depth of talent that we saw in 83, 99, 2018. We just don't know what this quarterback class is going to be. Cause there's like 12 guys who could theoretically go in the first round. If they have a really successful season and Sanders is at now at the top of that bunch with how well he played and how consistent and decisive he was with his decision-making. It was one of the more impressive debuts in the FBS I've seen in a long, long time. And Colorado is here to play. Yeah, 510 yards, uh, a school record yesterday, uh, for, for Colorado versus Shadir Sanders in week one against TCU. He already has pretty impressive numbers uh, coming in from Jackson State. DeForno's credit, credit he's still going to have to uh, play a little bit more college football. Uh, but Miles, anyone else did you notice from the college football side of things watching that might be interested if or the Vikings w- could be interested in come draft time next year? Yeah, I got two guys that I think just at least it, they, 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 they excite me going in. Um, the first guy is Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. So he was obviously at Indiana first. Uh, he's a lefty like me. So I kind of, you know, <laughs> me and him got a lot in common. Um, but I think with some mechanic updates and, and, and things like that, like the guy's got a big arm. Um, the way he was able to stand in the pocket and, and find guys downfield all day on Saturday was, was impressive. And I, but I think 
with some refinement to his mechanics. His, I think he could use a little bit more of his lower body. He's, he uses a lot of arm more than more than his full body. Um, I think with some of those mechanic adjustments, I think he could be a good prospect. He's a little on the older side just because of that, uh, the COVID year and things like that. But um, I think I think he's a, he's the kind of guy that you could you could look at as like the back end of a first round, early second round type of quarterback in this draft and the upcoming draft. And then the other one for me that going into this season, my my quarterback three was JJ McCarthy from Michigan. Now he had a lot to prove, but I think there's a lot of upside there. And I think on Saturday when they played Eastern Carolina, he really did a good job of looking a little bit more poised in the pocket, less panicky. Um, he looked like he had a lot more control than we saw last year. So um, I'm just excited to see how he builds off of it. Um, but he could be the type of quarterback that I think uh, Kevin O'Connell is really looking for. A guy that maneuvers in the pocket um, and has a good arm. And I, I and he's accurate. And I think those are important traits for uh, for Kevin O'Connell. And um, if he can continue to build on it, I think he could be a guy at 21 years old or going to be 21 years old, um, draft eligible, um, that, you know, that you want to build around. Yeah, I, I watched some of the Michigan uh, game as well on Saturday, and it was obviously a butt kicking. But he was someone that we brought up on this show before, um, Miles. That uh, before you kind of entered the frame here a lot last month. But Forno, I I was pretty impressed with what I saw, and in general, he has probably a lot of stock to build. Miles brings up a good point that he might be one of those first, you know, two or three quarterbacks off the radar or off the draft board, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did what did you particularly like from JJ McCarthy, at least in? the first game of the uh, college football season. So when I look at prospects, I look at them in two ways. One, I look at them as far as an overall picture and like how I would rate them. And then I have a separate category where I just have guys who are my favorite prospects. Everybody has that. And those guys end up making the all four team at the end of the year. Well, McCarthy so far is my favorite prospect. He is my favorite prospect in this draft class. And what I really liked against East Carolina is some of the manipulation where he threw a corner out on a smash concept where they had a safety over the top. And then they had the corner playing base your basic cover two, where he's got the high low. Well, what he did was he ended up throwing the corner and threw a perfect ball, but he just did a little bit of a shoulder fake before he ended up layering it over the top. And that little fake manipulated the corner enough so he could layer it without having actual any contention from the corner. That kind of stuff is impressive. Creating his own throwing lanes when he needs to just evade pressure. He is so savvy at those things. And this is only his second year as a starter. Last year, he didn't even start every game because it was him and Cade McNamara. They each started one of the first two games, and that was how they finished the quarterback competition. He ended up winning that job as a former five-star, which he should have. But he doesn't have incredible zip on the ball. His arm is reminiscent of Kirk Cousins in the fact that it is more than capable. It is not elite. And with that true dual threat and he's got legit wheels and how he maneuvers in the po- in and out of the pocket. I really like him. I will say about Penix, the injuries scare the hell out of me. Multiple ACL, a left shoulder injury that ended a season at Indiana as well. Look, the guy's awesome. And what he was able to do at Washington last year in that system basically went from a runner as a quarterback with the ability to sling it to a true pocket passer was a really, really impressive transition under Kalen DeBoer and offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb. But I don't know what the medicals look like. And to me, that's scary. And it's something that needs to be talked about. Before we move on, I want to mention one guy, Joe Milton. Joe Milton is bad. And I call him a driving range quarterback where you have guys who go to the driving range and they could smash a ball 350, 400 yards. 
but they can, can't do anything in the intermediate and short game. And that's kind of what Joe Milton is. He's going to wow you. It's like, whoa, he can do that. The dude threw from the 20 to the opposing 25 yard line with a flick of the wrist, opposite hash. No problem. He's thrown on film 90 yards before. The problem is he struggles at reading defenses. He struggles at placing the ball properly in the short range. He's not too dissimilar to Hendon Hooker. Hooker was really poor in the short games. He could make the right reads where they're basically handed to him on a silver platter by Josh Heupel, but he's throwing low. He's throwing high. He's throwing left or right. It's like he has a target like this big and he's hitting every ounce of that circumference instead of actually hitting the target. And that's where what we see with Kirk cousins is he's hitting the hands where they're supposed to be, or he's getting it a lot closer and they don't have to like reach way back or reach way up to go get these footballs. Milton cannot do that. And he hasn't been able to do it his whole career. He won the starting job at Michigan in 2020 and Tennessee 2021 lost them both because he stunk. And he's got a five-star freshman, Nico Amalieva. I think I butchered that name, but the dude is fantastic. He got some playing time against Virginia this weekend. Milton might not last the season. And there are people who will be fooled because he could just make these beautiful deep throws. He unfortunately can't do anything else with any form of consistency. And unless he decides to just do a complete 180, I want nothing to do with Joe Milton at the next level. Uh, really excited here in just a couple weeks. The Gophers are going to host UNC. They're gonna, we're going to see Drake May. I, I know there's not a lot of uh, our Purple Daily audience, which is nationwide. I would actually wager that more than probably half of those Vikings fans are actually not Gopher football fans, but obviously for the ones locally here in the state, uh, Drake May, who's one of the most intriguing college football quarter, uh, quarterback prospects going into the draft next year, um, is definitely going to be under the watchful eye of probably all three of us here in a couple of weeks when they play UNC Really, really excited to see uh, what what the Gophers could go against in Drake May. He's my quarterback one. I have him above Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is interesting because he wows everybody. He basically tries to make Sports Center's top ten every single play, and he's really good at it. That type of success will translate to the NFL, not nearly at the level as it does in college, because you're playing like the best corner you'll see all year will be like the the 30th best corner in the league. And that's kind of the transition that he's going to have to make. Patrick Mahomes made that transition. There were a lot of the same questions I have about Caleb Williams that we had about Mahomes. Mahomes went to a phenomenal situation. If he goes to the Cardinals, I'm genuinely scared for Caleb Williams uh, in the short term because that that coaching staff is is pretty brutal. And the talent surrounding him is going to be the exact same. But Williams does not take enough of the easy layups that are right in front of him. And he tries to play on hard mode and make that sports center top 10. To me, he needs to clean some of that up. And hey, there's a wide open slant for 10 to 20 yards. Dude, just take it. It's okay. Yeah, you can make all these incredible plays. You don't have to. And the sooner he can learn that, he will surpass Drake May for me. But right now, May's incredible. A lot of people compare him to Justin Herbert. He's got a very similar body type. He's 6'4", 220, has that lean frame, and he can create on the run. He has a beautiful deep ball. He's very accurate, and he's dynamic. He's got a very powerful arm where he can drive it to all areas of the field, including hitting that deep out opposite hash. I love what he, how his consistency is. He can read a defense. He can go through his progressions, and he has no problem 
either creating for himself to make the big play or being able and willing to take that 10 yard gain and live to fight another down. I think may is the better prospect right now. I know I'm not alone in thinking that. And the NFL is going to be so split on these guys because while they're very similar, they're very different. And if you have a chance, go to TCF, go watch Drake may because he is incredible and very fun to watch play the position. And the way these two end up fighting all season for that top quarterback spot is going to be a fascinating watch because there's going to be a lot of people who call you dumb if you don't have Caleb Williams. But I challenge you to watch them both play in depth and make, make that choice for yourself. Cause may, if, if you don't think he's above Williams, I think you'll agree that he's right there with him. Yeah, he's going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, Gophers will get a good chance to, to see him, obviously, here in a couple of weeks. Uh, boys, transitioning to week one against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, Miles, are, are you looking at any of the rookie class, or any, I'll even throw in the second-year players. Do you Are you kind of circling anyone right away that actually could make a big difference against a, a lowly team in Tampa Bay? It's a, it's a soft start, if you will, for the Vikings. Uh, don't want to take them too lightly either. But are you looking at anyone or players that could make immediate difference in week one from the last two draft classes? Well, I mean, I think it's obviously the trenches. The, the biggest the biggest thing the Vikings have is is their issues with the trenches. And the one thing that the Bucks have in, in droves is a defensive line. They have a stout defensive line, obviously with Vita Vea being one of the better nose tackles in the game. And then they just drafted Kalaji Kansi. Um, and then uh, Joe, I, don't, I, always, I always butcher his name, so I want to apologize for that. Um, let me let me read it off one more time. Tryon Shoyinka, Joe Tryon Shoyinka. Um, so he's their edge rusher. He hasn't really ascended yet, but you know, uh, playing. You know, maybe he's going up against uh, Brian O'Neill, who's who was injured. You know, the last half of last year, and and kind of ramping up late into the into the training camp this year. So I'm kind of you know that the trenches. Ed, Ed Reed or Ed Reed Ed Ingram is is definitely that that guy for me. That you, you Ed Reed and that that true interior. So Ed Reed. Or Ed Ingram. I keep saying Ed Reed. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I got him on my mind. I guess they're talking Hall of Fame and everything um, uh, the other day. But uh, but yeah. So I think Ed Ingram is one of those guys that you want to make sure he can he can prove that he stepped up and, and he's kind of improved in year two. Um, but I also, I mean, I'll obviously say too. Like um, I think that Bucks defense is no slouch. And I don't, I don't want to like sit there and, and act like they don't have talent across all three levels of that defense. They do. And I think you know if you can get Jordan Addison involved early on he could be that mismatch because we know all the attention is going to go to Justin Jefferson and probably TJ Hawkinson right behind that. And so they need that third guy to step up. KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison. I don't know how much Addison is going to play, but Addison really has an opportunity to really show himself early in this process because teams are going to be so, so focused on, Je- on Jefferson that, you know, they're going to be more one-on-one matchups. And I don't know if um, guys like Jamel Dean can, can stick with his quickness and, and those things. Cause I don't know if Carlton Davis will travel with JJ or not, but, um, I, I can guarantee you that they're going to probably bracket coverage JJL game. So how do you move those guys around? But I think Addison has a chance to be that impact, have it, have an impact. Um, and then maybe on the defensive side, I would say, you know, obviously the corners, those are, you know, I think Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin are arguably the best, not the best, but one of the better duos in the league right now. And they're being underrated because they lost Tom Brady and they have Baker Mayfield. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is going to light the Vikings up, but, I don't know. We don't know if the Vikings can stop anybody um, yet. You know, they coming out of last year, they couldn't, and they didn't really do a lot to truly improve the, the defensive backs besides um, really having uh, Brian Flores. So 
we'll see if those guys can really step up and, you know, Kai Blackman and um, Caleb Evans, if those guys can really show that they've, they've developed in this offseason against those two guys. Eating better is easy with Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save, and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash purpledaily50 and use code purpledaily50 to get 50% off. That's code purpledaily50 at factormeals.com slash purpledaily50 to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, it'll be interesting because they're six-point favorites right now. The Vikings are against the Bucks, so uh, they're definitely a, more of a heavier favorite. And we'll see if the Vikings maybe cover that spread, but they're certainly favored at home. Tampa Bay could be in line for even the top pick in the draft. We'll see how it develops, and you don't want to take them too lightly, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Forno, I guess, what rookies do you think, uh, or second-year players, could make a big difference right away week one at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Bucks? That's an interesting question. I think the two that I jumped to right away are Ed Ingram and Lewis Seen, and it's it could be either positive or negative. We genuinely just don't know. I think Ingram is going to have a much better season because there's going to be more continuity in the offensive line. He has a full year to learn how to how he needs to fix things. And this first preseason game was fine. It, some of the things he was being blamed for weren't really his fault. And being able to have starting caliber players on either side of him is going to make a big difference in how he plays regardless. But he still allowed 63 pressures on 1,225 snaps last year. That's far and away the most in the NFL. He did have the six most snaps from an interior offensive lineman. So that needs to be taken into context as well. Uh, one of my bold predictions that I just released for the Vikings was I think he might be able to cut that in half because of how O'Connell's going to run this offense. And they're going to do a lot more of the Shanahan stuff, stuff we've traditionally seen with this Vikings team. A lot of boot action, a lot of it, like sliding of these offensive linemen and being able to help each other out. Plus with Josh Oliver being utilized as an extra blocker at times, that's going to allow guys like O'Neill and Bradbury to go help. And being able to help Ingram is going to make such a big difference. Now he could not improve at all. And that element is something that that could end up costing the Vikings, which is why that impact could go either way. And it's kind of the same with Lewis seen. We talked a lot about scene recently. He has all this potential. He has not shown it to this point. And a lot of the issues with him stem from his tackling and he tackles way too high. And then that second preseason game, he basically went way too low and he got jumped over by Ty J Spears on that 33 yard touchdown. How is he going to be able to put it all together when he does get on the field? How is that going to impact the defense? Is he going to keep making mistakes or is he going to make plays? 
I think those two are going to be the biggest ones I'm going to be watching for because I want to see how their development is in a real game situation in the regular season. How are they being utilized, especially seen because that back end of the defense is going to be used in such a versatile manner. So looking at what they do, I think is going to tell a lot about how this Vikings team is going to play long-term at these positions and what their potential um, career arc is going to be. If I said five and a half defensive snaps for Lewis Seen on Sunday against the Bucks, Miles, would you take the over or would you take the under of five and a half defensive snaps, not special teams? And and this is non like blowout, like those types of things, right? Yeah, it's just, kinda... just everything encompassing, whether it's a blowout or a close game. I mean, I think if it's a close game, I see, I'd, I'd go the under. Um, I think I just don't think they're quite ready to put him out there in significant snaps. Um, you know, now if somebody gets hurt, somebody gets banged up, those types of things, or needs a blow. But I just don't know if we're going to see much of him on on defense yet. As but I think as he progresses, we don't know how healthy is it too because he was you know he got hurt right before that uh, that third preseason game as well. Um, but at the same time, uh, if there's a blowout, he should he should get a lot of the snaps. But Either way, but um, I, I don't. I'd say the under. I'll go with under right now. Forno, how about you? I'm going to smash the over. I think it's easily plausible he plays 10 to 15 snaps. And when you look at a lot of these uh, teams, they're running 67 to 75 snaps on average. So if you have 75 snaps, asking Scene to play like 10 to 15 percent of them is very plausible, and it's not. Uh, it's not crazy, especially considering how they're going to use a lot of three safety looks. And look. I like Josh Metellus. He's an incredibly smart dude and he has busted his butt to get to this point, but it's undeniable that scene has more talent than Josh Metellus. And he's a much more explosive athlete. And in some of these packages where they're going to be doing a lot of blitzing, they're going to be super aggressive. You're going to want a projectile missile like scene on the field. Now, will he be able to perform? We just don't know. There's two that you can't be too overly confident that he's going to be great or he's going to be bad because the book is still out on him. We're still trying to learn what he is. And when you look at the whole picture, I think 10 to 15 snaps makes a lot of sense, especially with that blitz element, something we did not use at all last year. That seems going to be really, really good at. Miles, you had uh, Josh Metellus on the climbing the pocket podcast. I know I believe correct. So you've been able to talk to him a little bit, I guess. What have you kind of gathered just uh, about how he carries himself. And also, I guess in general, what are your kind of expectations for him in the Vikings defense this year? Yeah. So he's telling us, so before it got announced, he he'd hit us up and said, I got a surprise you guys. He, he became, you know, as a captain, he, he told us that, but then that came, the news came out before we could record, which is totally fine. Really happy for him. But um, no, he, he's going to get a really good opportunity to play on that like star role in that defense where, you know, they play more dime, more of those like, um, uh, you know, dime packages where there, where there are multiple DBs on the field, less linebackers or less D linemen. And so I think he's really going to get a chance to play in the nickel and the slot a little bit more, um, but also, you know, roll in this and play a linebacker role as well and kind of be in the box. And I think he's kind of got a good build for that. I worry a little bit, and we talked a little bit about it. I was like, I, I asked him if he could cover JJ 101. Um, and so, of, of course, you know, the confidence in him, he's going to say yes. But um, I do want, I do wonder how he'd handle working in the, in the slot against some of these like upper tier um, you know, slot receivers. Um, but at the same time, I think he has the instincts and the ability to, to read, to read and understand offenses enough to where I think he could be a good fit in what they're trying to do. Um, but to Tyler's, Tyler's point, I think, you know, you would like eventually maybe that does become a Lewis scene, but 
at the same time, I think Metellus has done a great job of earning that role and really um, come in and become a leader in that team, in that DB room. And um, I, I think he, he sounds really excited but confident that um, things are going to go well. And I have no reason to, to doubt him because I think he's just put in the, that kind of work to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to really watch him too. Judd's been uh, kind of looking at him a lot in training camp and him being a Swiss Army knife for Flores. So it's clear they li- really like him at least to start here. We'll see how long of a leash uh, he'll get. Forno, do you think Jordan Addison uh, catches his first NFL touchdown in his first NFL game in week one against the Buccaneers? I see what you're doing here, Declan. Uh, I, I, I see it. The Vikings even came out and tweeted earlier this morning that this was like the new three deep. And yeah. I, I missed it this past Sunday, but they actually aired on Fox the entirety of Randy Moss's debut where he ended up catching two touchdown passes against the Buccaneers, including that one where I had one of those little hologra- hologram gimmicks where like you move it and like it, it's like a changing picture of Moss's first touchdown when I was eight years old. So I don't think he does. And I don't know how they're going to integrate him into this offense because it's, it's blatantly obvious that he's really good and he's ready, but I, I can't be convinced that he's, higher in the depth chart than KJ Osborne. And I don't know how often they're going to utilize three wide receivers. I really don't. Or how they're going to integrate him in over Osborne because Osborne has the trust of the entire team and coaching staff. He's worked incredibly hard and he's played very well so far uh, during the preseason and training camp. It It's too hard to project out. Now he could get a chance really early and all of a sudden he is wide receiver two right out the gate. But to me, it's too much uncertainty especially with all the weapons that we have and touchdowns are inherently random. Like Justin Jefferson only had seven last year and he was the most productive wide receiver in all of football. You, it's too difficult to predict touchdowns. Hell when Kevin Calvin Johnson had that 1964 yard season, he caught, I think three or four and got tackled inside the five, like six times. It, it's just so hard to predict that kind of thing. So if, if I have to, I'm going to go, no. Yeah, I, uh, I think he'll make a pretty significant impact early just because he's not being targeted a ton. He's not being covered a ton. I mean, the intentions obviously on Jefferson and Hawkinson first and you know how KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison, I guess, get in the mix is what the intriguing part is because they're not the number one and two stars necessarily on this, uh, on this offense. So can Jordan Addison kind of slip through the cracks a little bit and become someone um, that does catch his first touchdown. And yeah, the Vikings haven't had, you know, really the three deep, uh, at this level in quite some time. So I'm totally down with getting three deep back. I mean, that, that was awesome. That's kind of like was my first taste as a Vikings fan. Um, and it would be certainly sweet to see, you know, the Vikings offense have a uh, three deep type of situation in 2023. And then obviously going forward as well. Uh, boys, before we wrap here, Miles, are, are you looking out uh, for anyone else to make an impact for the Vikings this year? Or uh, also, let's, we should probably do this impromptu here. Give us, give me a final score update too for week one against the Bucks. Yeah, I'll give you a name first. So Jaquel and Roy is someone I'm just interested to see just because of how they cut the depth chart going into uh, out, out of camp. Um, he's going to have a chance to, to rotate in because they don't have a lot of guys. And I think he's a guy that looked when he was healthy, looked pretty good in, 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 the, in training camp. Um, and the guys in front of him aren't any aren't world beaters. They're not guys that are like, you know, Kairos Tonga and, um, Dean Lowry aren't expensive players. You know, I think Harrison Phillips the best of the bunch, but um, those interior guys aren't like anything to write home about. And I think if Roy can come in and rotate and have a small impact early, I think he could show that maybe later on the season, he could develop himself into a bigger role. So that's a guy that I'm just like curious about. 
and, and see if he might be able to make an impact this year. Um, score prediction, I will go 28-24 okay. uh, Vikings. But because they ha- it has to be a one-score game. Like, I don't think we could – you know, it has to be at this point just – with the Kevin O'Connell Vikings regime at the last few years, it's just, it's like ingrained in them now. So. All right. I like it. I will say uh prediction from me will be, I'll say 28, 13. I think the Vikings cover this spread. Um, I think the Bucks can maybe march down the field a little bit here against a pretty raw and inexperienced defense, but in general, maybe the kiss of death as I, as I say this and they'll clip this for next week when the Vikings uh, don't even come close to this happening. Uh, but I will, I will stick to that one at least. Forno, how about you, man? Uh, any last players you want to watch and maybe a week one score prediction, if you will? I want to see what the cornerbacks are going to be like and how they're implemented in this defense and how often they're left on an island because the, uh, Brian Flores has traditionally liked to use a lot of these Bengal Hawk blitzes where you have like seven guys on the line of scrimmage and you drop two depending on how the, the protection shifts. And that's how Jay Ward ended up getting his sack against the Arizona Cardinals. So how is he going to use that? And how are they going to, how often they're going to ask these guys to really play on a traditional Island? How do they respond? I think that's going to be something I'm going to watch really in depth and try to figure out, okay, how are they doing this, that, and the other thing? And how often are they being helped by either scheme or having somebody over the top? Like what, what are those nuances? And I'm going to actually pull out the history books. The Vikings, uh, from 1998 until 2014 didn't win a single game at Raymond James stadium. And the one, the first one that they won was the Anthony Barr scoop and score 2002 and 2003. They lost 41 to 13 in both of those games. So that's going to be my score prediction that to pull one out. I think Baker Mayfield's going to be better than people are giving him credit for. He shouldn't have played through that torn labrum in 2021 in his left sh- uh, shoulder, but he did because he wanted to compete and I think it ended up costing him pretty much everything so far, but the way they like to play down in Tampa Bay, they like to be vertical and Mayfield is really good at being vertical with some really good wide receiver talent. And I think that they're going to do that and they're going to be able to do it pretty well, but I think the Vikings are going to get the win and I don't think it'll be uh, by one score. Okay. Yeah, this will be a fun one. I mean, they will have the Philadelphia Eagles uh, right away on Thursday Night Football right afterwards, too. So it's kind of imperative that they get this first win, play with house money a little bit. Otherwise, man, man, you could be 0-2 within five days, and that would not Mm -hmm. be a fun start to the Viking season, especially, too, with all the insane quarterbacks they do have to play early on in the year. Uh, Purple Daily on draft once a week right here, usually on Mondays, on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, We'll have more college football breakdowns for next week. We'll obviously be breaking down what happened in week one. Uh, Yeah, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.